Welcome to Catholic Town, sponsored by the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes and Mount St. Mary's University. Catholic Town aims to highlight people, places, and movements that are spreading the kingdom of God in the historic town of Emmitsburg, Maryland, and beyond. Join us as we sit down with Catholic figures of all types, hear their stories, and get to the heart of what drives them. Uh, This is David McCarthy. I'm here again with Father Jim Donahue, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Mark, a little bit about liturgical year, a little bit about Advent in particular. Uh, If you listened last time, you learned that uh, Father Jim Donahue is a Canadian. We we delved into Canadianness through hockey, yes, and but um, uh, then uh, well, it, your community is the Congregation of the Resurrection. Yes, you ended off your introduction by saying you have a big mission in Tanzania, and yes. you just spent a year there sabbatically. I here, did. so go. <laughs> Tell us I, about Tanzania. That was really an amazing. Experience. So I had a sabbatical here at the Mount, which I am very grateful for. That was uh, really a great opportunity. And I decided instead of taking one semester, that I would take the whole year. This is my 25th year at the Mount, so maybe I just needed to take a whole year. <laughs> um, yeah. And originally, I had thought about going to Tanzania for maybe two or three months. I when I have done things in our international community, I was curious about it, and I just wanted to learn a bit more. And we had a new superior general, and he's a, a Canadian. He's a member of our province, and I've known him for over 40 years. And I one day sent him an email and said, I just don't know if the previous superior general had told you that I was interested in going to Tanzania for a couple months. And... Um, um, so I just wanted to share that and update you about that. So within a couple hours, he calls me from Rome and says, this is really amazing because we got your email and just a few hours before that, we got an email from Father Andrew Duda, who's the rector of the Formation House in Tanzania saying that we have so many students who want to join us, we need a novitiate. And how are we going to have a novitiate? Because we would need somebody to be the rector for a year. And he said, we got these two emails like within an hour, and we had a meeting wow. scheduled to talk about Tanzania, and then we got the emails just before the meeting. Huh. So how, we, many, how many novices did you have? Ten. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we had five seminarians, but then we had 10 right. people who wow. needed to go on the bishop. So order. now there are 10 seminarians, 15 seminaries. Yes. And there's even more because we have some more candidates for next year. And wow. so we're up around 20. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That, that's great. Yeah. So, so Father Paul asked me, he said, who would you think about staying for a year? Well, you know, if I had thought about going for three weeks, a year seems like a long time. Yeah. But if I had thought about going for three months... A year. I mean, it still is longer, but it's, it's times four. Yeah, rather it's than times. Of, it's whatever. a different way of thinking. Yeah, right? oh, a definitely different way of thinking. And I also, I, you know, when I look back now, I don't know why I said yes because it really is amazing. But uh, so I, I said yes, and I went, and it was one of the greatest years of my life. Hmm. Hmm. I just, yeah, 
I'm still processing. You know, if you'd gone from what you've told me, if you had gone from three months, you would have at the end of the third month, you would have thought, I need to stay longer. I'm just getting used to it here. Or, you know, I'm just understanding what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, if I could say like one, one thing that was just amazing. In, in Luke's gospel, when Jesus does the Beatitudes, he's got a set of four blesseds and four woes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's an author that many of us use for our students here, Brendan Byrne. And he says, you know, the word blessed can uh, sometimes get overused or maybe seem too spiritual or interior or something. And he says, I wonder if we could come up with a different word that would help us to understand what Jesus is saying. And he says, uh, congratulations. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Congratulations. If mm. if you're poor, congratulations mm-hmm. if you're hungry. Congratulations mm-hmm. if you're weeping. Mm. Congratulations if everyone speaks badly about you. Yeah. But, uh-oh, watch out if you're rich. And, oh you better be careful if you're satisfied. You, you better be careful if <laughs> everything's great. You better be careful. Everybody thinks wonderful. And when I was in Tanzania, it just became so clear to me. I mean, people are poor and they are hungry and they don't have things that we have. And they really need God. Yeah. Yeah. People, I mean, God is so much part of their lives. Yeah. It it actually reminds me of something else. Do you remember that series that Ken Burns did on the Civil War? I do. I do. And a lot of it was reading letters that people wrote. God is in those letters Hmm. all the time. Hmm. Hmm. And there is just something about our world in North America where we we do pretty well by ourselves, right? So So I am going to relate that to your very decision to go to Tanzania. So um, I taught confirmation at my parish for 20 years. And it's harder when you're younger because you don't, like have the tool bag, right? And right. like, so I remember having a real tough time because, you know, you, you got 20, 25, whatever, uh, 14 year olds, 15 year olds. And, you know, two or three could just sway the whole, I mean, change the whole dynamic. So um, a, lot, a few didn't want to be there, but they were being made to be there. And at the same time, they were being told it was their decision. Right. So I was like, what do you do with that? Yeah. And they're like, so, um, well, one thing I did was say, well, if it is, you know, if it is your decision, then you don't do it, you know, then that's supposed, that's fine. Right. So I want to give them permission to decide against it. But mainly what I did, and it's like, it just happened in an instant and it worked. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that worked. I said, well, let's just list major decisions in life. You know, they said things like, you know, college you're going to go to. But, you know, they're young. They were like, should I play baseball or football? You know, or whatever, right? right? Um, but, you know, getting married, what, what, where I should go to college, what job should I have? And I just said, let's talk about those decisions. And they realized they're not going to have clarity on any of those. <laughs> and, and they're not going to be their own decision that, like, and I just can't believe we had that conversation that got there because I had no idea where we were going either. 
but that decisions like that are just so beyond us yes. that other people are so much a factor in how we decide, like the person that actually yeah. answered your call and, or called yeah. you and these sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. But we don't know what we're getting into most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I remember so, how exasperated so in you were. your weakness of deciding. Yeah. 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 I remember how exasperated you were because I remember there was one guy in the confirmation class. All he wanted to do was go hunting. Oh, you remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you asked him any question. It was just like, go hunt some deer. I'd rather be hunting. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there have been some characters over the years. Yeah. Okay, so that's great. And that actually, as you just noted, you're, about your experience in Tanzania, that's going to get us to Mark yes. as well. Used in terms of Luke, yes. the woes and the blessings. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right, so um, let's, before we start with Mark, um, and, and just to, to heads up for everybody, what I'm going to try to do here is get to Mark 13, which is the first reading, first gospel reading, I'm sorry, the gospel reading for the first week of Advent. Now, later, when we get there, I will test out your in your view, your, what you told us last time about whether the first reading would fit with this third reading and those sorts of things. Okay. So we, we will evaluate <laughs> your performance in podcast one. Yes. yes. But before we get there, can you just tell us a little bit about Advent? Advent. Yes. Go. I got it. Yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> what's he going to ask me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the word coming. Ah. Mm. Yes. Mm. Nice. Venio, veneri, to come, yes. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, and I think that many people um, are, even, even even people who go to church all the time, the first Sunday of Advent, they're always surprised because they always think that Advent's getting us ready for Christmas, right? Right. And the first Sunday of Advent is always about the second coming of Christ. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And nice. so it kind of throws people, right? Because it's it like, does. What, what, what is this? But I think it is about, about coming. It's about the second coming of Christ. And... Advent also prepares us for the coming of Christ in the incarnation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but maybe even a third coming by um, reflecting on the second coming of Christ, on reflecting on the incarnation, we also think about how Christ comes to us every day, right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Advent can also sharpen our our listening and uh, visual awareness of how Christ appears. I always, there was a guy that I was... Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, okay. I got to get the, before we go on to the okay. guy. Okay, so you said that Advent, this is this is actually, this phrasing and this idea is actually a little bit new to me. Um, and I'll say that in a minute, why in a minute. So you said that... No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that Advent, let's say the daily readings, other things we do... Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the work, the the mass, the Sunday mass, these are preparing us to be able to see, if I've forgotten what you said, or a see? To see, to hear. To, to see, to hear yeah. God, God coming. Yeah. In our lives. In our lives. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I'll tell you my... Uh, in, in a way, like, you know, God has always been here. He comes most fully in the person of Jesus in the incarnation. We wait for his second coming. But in the meantime, we still need to see how God comes to us. Great. Now, okay, so I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you why this is relatively new and, and why. I think the why is because I, I, I had in my head, just because it parallels nicely, that Advent is, is preparatory to Christmas, I have yes. to say. 
because you have Lent that's preparatory to the Triduum or to, yes. you know, to Easter. Okay, yes. so you can see my problem? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you actually are, yeah, I used to think Advent was preparatory, well, Maybe. I'm not agree with you. I'll just still believe it. Yeah. No, but, yeah. no I, I really did have it in my head because it's a nice little parallel. Mm-hmm. Advent, Christmas, yes. Yes. Lent, Easter. Yes. And one thing that it does, my little thing doesn't explain. And I've always wondered about that. In fact, last year I had a discussion with Monsignor Baker about it. But, I, uh, but you always then wonder why Advent is a little bit more, um, more fasting and more preparatory or wanting it, why isn't it preparatory in the same way that Easter is? Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is it's a kind of formation, entirely a formation for a different sort of thing. I think right? so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Nice. So this is preparing. I shouldn't say this is preparing. This is learning to see and to hear yeah. God's presence, God's coming yeah. to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the 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 guy I was ordained with, so I was yep. uh, in the vishit with him. Wait a minute, I was I really said all that, so maybe you would forget about the guy. It's <laughs> amazing how you picked up on the guy the minute I paused. I was going to say <laughs> I'm not going to forget about the guy. So his name is Joe Scollard, and he's Joe what? Scollard. Scholard. Yeah, he was a great guy. Okay. So I met him in the vishit. So we had seven people in the vishit, but he and I were the only two Canadians. Okay. And when I first. He was he was fifteen or sixteen years older than I was, All right? And so you know, I'm looking around the room. and I think I got nothing in common with this guy. We ended up becoming like, you know, really great friends. And uh, he died some years ago, and uh, I do I do miss him. He he was a very funny guy too. But anyway, things that I liked, he didn't like, and things that he liked, I didn't really like. So it was kind of a funny friendship. But around this time of year. I would always, you know, I'd be helping in a parish. As a seminarian, I'd be helping in a parish or something and doing some youth programs or Advent preparation or whatever. And there was this little claymation film that I would use. Okay. So it was an animation, but they were clay figures, right? Oh, yeah. And it was called Martin the Cobbler. Okay. And when I would tell Joe about this, he just, he just, he did this. <laughs> so, of course, I would tell him more and more about it, right? <laughs> but in, in this, uh, an angel appears to Martin and he tells him that Jesus is going to come to visit him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Martin's sweeping out his shop and everything as you could imagine a claymation Martin would be doing. Claymation, they're good with a the broom. They are. <laughs> it's the same stroke over exactly. and over. Yes. <laughs> and no dust. <laughs> they are dust. <laughs> so different people came to visit him. And one of them was his friend Vladimir. And uh, so, but he would be rushing these people out all the time because he was waiting for oh, Jesus to it. come. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yes, yes, and of course, yes. a poor guy comes and eats some food and everything. And he's like uh-huh. rushing, rushing, rushing. Uh-huh. And of course, at the end of this thing, he realizes that Jesus came in each of these people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good. yeah. Very good. <laughs> Scholard? Was that his Joe Scholard. Joe yeah. Scholard. Yeah. yeah. He has no he taste. Just, no taste. A, not for claymation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, before we move on to the readings and to Mark, I just want to thank our sponsors, National Shrine of the Grotto. Open daily 8 30 to 5 lots to do there i do should mention um like our parish actually has a saint anthony has has uh their cemetery plots up there on the hill beautiful place all right mount saint mary's does too yes yes and then there are other spaces open for people Mm -hmm. that want to be buried there 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, um, what's, what's to say about this place, uh, the cemetery part? Well, the whole thing, but it's, uh, like say, hillside, trees. Uh, it's a beautiful area. It is beautiful. And I think uh, one of the things that is amazing to hear students who can be caught up in the life of students and everything, and they'll say, you know, on Friday afternoon, I just thought, I'm going to go up to the grotto. And I just sat there, and it really is amazing to hear, you know, it's a place of peace. and Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it's beautiful, too. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, I, you know, I, I did not think of what you just said and, and that you say it, I bet if we walk out on campus and we say to somebody, so, hey, where do you go to kind of like collect yourself? Mm-hmm. The, many of our students will say that one of the more important places to them on campus is the grotto. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of places where people can um, go and different di- variety of things, too. Yes. You know, as far as um, the rosary walk or stations, the cross, uh, various sorts of things. Very good. Okay, so uh, we're going to, like, say, shift maybe to the first Sunday of Advent. And did I say that we're going to test your theory? Well, first we're going to say a little bit more about the liturgical year. Just a little bit more. thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yes. So So, so one of the things that happens is there's so many weekends in, in the year, 52. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I'm scrambling while you're talking, just so you okay, know. Okay, I'll just keep talking. Then. No, keep yeah. talking. I'm scrambling for my list of scriptures. And so year. Mark has 16 chapters, and so of all the Gospels, Mark's is the shortest. Mm-hmm. And I suppose uh, the people who were designing the lectionary could have found a way to stretch readings out. But Matthew and Luke, um, the length of the Gospel fits more evenly with the number of Sundays that we have. Mm-hmm. So what happens with the Gospel of Mark, and it probably surprises people sometimes, uh, is we get to this place in the summertime, and there's the story of the multiplication of the loaves and fish. There's actually two versions of it in Mark's Gospel, one in chapter 6 and one in chapter 8. So when we get to that in the lectionary, it switches to the Gospel of John. And here, I'm looking at the dates. That's going to be... um, It's in the summer. July 25th. Yeah. Yeah. July 25th to August 22nd. And I think there's like six weeks in Mm -hmm. where... And so it picks up. And so instead of reading the multiplication of loaves and fish from Mark, it reads Mm -hmm. it from John. Uh. Because John has this very long bread of life discourse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so people will hear that as the readings for Sunday. So that, in a sense, lengthens... Mark by six weeks. Gotcha. And so we also get uh, some of John's gospel. Mm -hmm. But we also get John's gospel uh, like in the Christmas season and Easter season. Yes, and especially the um, uh, the Easter vigil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John 1 and... Yeah, Yeah. and so we get some Mm -hmm. of the Johannine readings and Mm -hmm. and, uh, Mm -hmm. so I don't think we read as much of John's gospel as we do the synoptic gospels, but there are large portions of John's gospel that get incorporated yeah, right. into the lectionary. Yeah. yeah. And uh, perhaps as we go through, I think at one point, you know, basically what we're going to do, I hopefully the plan is um, after we go through a little bit of Advent in discussions in the future, we're just going to go straight. I don't know if this is going to work for you, but just go straight through Mark. Sure. Did that work that yeah. way? Yeah. Okay. Because 
doesn't have to, but no, that's that was the plan. Yeah, that's fine. But as we go straight through, Mark, then we can kind of pick up the seasons as well. Yes. You know, Lent, Easter yes. season, so on. Yes. Great. Okay, so now we're putting you to the test. Let me see here. I'm on the Sunday readings, first Sunday of Advent, year B. Okay. And our first reading is from Isaiah 63. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, you are named forever. Um, let me see. Return for the sakes of your servants, the tribes of your heritage, that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you, while you wrought awesome deeds we could not hope for, such as they had not heard from old. Um, so that's the, the beginning of that. Okay. Uh, I think thematically, uh, I don't want... Uh, so, t- so tell me the like gospel. I, was boring people. I was, felt like I was boring people by reading the whole thing. Let me just pick up the end here. Behold, you are angry and we are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All of our deeds are like polluted rags. It's really incredible imagery, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, we have all withered like leaves. Our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us up to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Hmm. Okay, so then, um, you want 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 to know what the psalm is? Or just want to go straight to the gospel? The gospel is Mark 13. Jesus says to his disciples, be alert. That's starting Mark 13, Mm -hmm. 33, 37. Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad. He leaves his home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on watch. Watch, therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the cock crow or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Say more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this watchfulness is about being alert. It's about uh, being in focus. Well, if I can jump in, it fits entirely what you said about Advent. Yes. Right. In fact, you said it's the theme for Adeline, yes. learning to watch. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. And there's one phrase in that first reading that even as you as you read it, I was uh, struck by, that you'll rend the heavens. Mm-hmm. Does it say rend the heavens and come you down? Rend the heavens and come down with the yeah. mountains quaking before you while yeah. you wrought awesome deeds we could not hope for. Yeah. So as they had not heard from old. Yeah, so, so one of the things yeah. that, that can happen, and I think this is a very common, normal human experience, is that sometimes people can have the sense that God is hidden from them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember one time a priest saying to me uh, when, I, when I was a young priest a couple years ago, <laughs> um, he said, you know, when you talk about, in a homily, if you talk about the presence of God, he says, you know, um, people are listening. But when you talk about the absence of God, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, um, especially when they're in the midst of something that's really difficult, um, they can feel like, well, kind of like Mary and Martha, they say to Jesus, if you were here, 
mm-hmm. our brother wouldn't have died. Right. Like if right. you if you were paying attention, this this wouldn't have been mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so it can seem as though God is hidden. And and what this Isaiah is saying is like you know rend the heavens and come down <laughs> so that. <laughs> but we have to, I think, connected with the gospels, be alert and watchful and uh, perceptive to how God does this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it could be so spectacular, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. more like the Martin the Cobbler, maybe it's the person who comes that I'm not expecting. And uh, some word, some gesture, some event that if I have the eyes to see, um, I can be aware that this is God breaking into my life somehow, mm-hmm. not not remaining hidden. But, I, but God can still remain hidden if I'm not like trying to be attentive and trying to be perceptive of how right. God might be working. Yeah. Now, I have to say, re, re, the, putting these together adds a bit of complexity, but you might already see it, Mark. I don't, just looking over, just reading that as I have or looking over it quickly. So the reading in Mark 13, be watchful, is basically be ready. Yes. But the Isaiah is, we are not ready. <laughs> we are actually like yeah. on... A sinful vacation, right? We are we are not prepared, right? But God's going to come and do awesome deeds, and God is our Father. So there is. Would you think that there's a contrast there, or am I just not seeing it in the? No, I think that's true. But one of the other things you think about in this gospel, though, is um, this idea about putting the servants in charge, each with his own work, and you don't know when the Lord of the house is coming. That seems to imply kind of like you know what you and Bridget might have said to the kids when they were, they were younger, like you went out for dinner, you don't know exactly what time we're coming home. I mean, you're presuming that they're going to yep. be up to no good and so on, right? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not our children. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, Quinn's at the grotto. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I think that there is something in there about, um, you know, he might find you sleeping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It might not be as bad as what it might sound like in Isaiah, right? But right, there is right. this kind of sense that you're about your life in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe uh, you know. People have said, "How would you be acting if your mother were here right now?" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. We used to actually do that at home. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you could not use in a word. You could not use a word in the house. That you wouldn't say in front of grandma. Yes. Yeah. No. That that's a that's a rule. Yeah. 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 Now, grandma's not living anymore, but it's still the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but I think this would be a, a well. I think isn't it good that the church decided that this would be <laughs> a good reading to introduce Advent, though, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it really does. I mean, if you are going to think about uh, the coming of Christ at the end of time, and and when I say that, I guess what I'm kind of thinking to develop that a little bit more is if at the end of time all the things that are still at odds with each other are at peace and in harmony if the hungry are filled if the poor are made rich if we can see each other as brothers and sisters if we are living in a peaceable Way, I mean, if if, the, if those are like images that we think about at the end, when we when we think about those, it can give us a motivation to live that way today. Mm. If mm. if that's yes, if well, that's where we're going, yeah, 
Yeah. If that's what we're hoping for, yeah. then why would you live in a way that's opposite of this, right? Right, right, right. Yes, yes. So, so yes. when I say that, so, so this being attentive to the end, and then, and then I do think, too, about Christmas. I mean, in a very human way, uh, Christmas is a very important time of year for, for people. I mean, even the fact that uh, it's so commercialized, if, if it didn't mean things to people, people wouldn't commercialize it. Right. right. No, I, I agree with you entirely. And, and so and, it's a very important time, and it is an opportunity, well, in a very practical way, families get together, people really do reach out more to the poor than maybe they would at other times of year, a lot of no. parishes. Um, and you know, have, that, that expands, and it will be close this year as far as where Avon falls. But yeah, basically the Thanksgiving to Christmas period um, is... As you say, you know, a giving period. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even, so, yeah, I'm a believer in this. I used to be more skeptical, but um, I don't know what, sometimes I don't know what to do with the, the gift giving part of it, but it is, and maybe you can rescue it for this preparatory period, but a lot of people's energy during this time period is also put toward what am I going to get that person? Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I I think that that's a the, – the good side of that, certainly the bad side of that is commercialization. The good side of that is most people really want to give a gift that tells the person, I know you. Yes. Yeah. You know, and – um, and that's really that's really hard to do, but people do work at that. Yeah. I don't know how I, I'm, I'm admitting I don't know how that fits into. I know that kind of hit how that fits into Christmas, because what I just said seems to fit with um, God coming to us. Like like say this yeah. is a gift, and it's about you know like kind of like I know you kind of thing. But well, one of the things I think too is about. Um, uh, maybe this was a little off, but but sometimes um, when I hear confessions, sometimes people will have a a string of seemingly unrelated things that right. they are. I did this. I did this. I did yes. this. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I will ask somebody if they can think about something that might connect all these dots. That might be at the heart of all these individual things that they've mm-hmm. confessed. Mm-hmm. And almost always, the person will say. I'm just too self-centered. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. focusing the whole world around myself, and that's yeah. why I'm angry, and that's why I'm doing yeah. this and jealous yeah. and so on, yeah. right? Because I'm yeah. just like the center. Yeah. And I do think something about gift-giving, um, when when we're little, Christmas is all about what we get. Yeah. And uh, in, our, in my family, my youngest brother was a lot younger than the rest of us, and we have this photo. Oh, he used to hate this photo, the whole we show him. And in those days, for people listening, if they grew up at this time, there was this thing called Major Matt Mason. And uh, there was a moonwalker. And I mean, there's just everything. And we got everything for him. And there's this picture. He's in his slippers and his little bathrobe. And he's just opened all these presents. And he had way more presents than we ever had when we were his age, right? Yeah. And, and, he, and just when my dad took this picture, he's got this look on his face like, is that it? Oh, no. <laughs> And I think that what happens, though, as we get older, and maybe it's not about age either, maybe it's about maturity, is that what really makes us happy deep down is not what we get, but mm-hmm. but just what you said, that you get something for someone that you realize 
that this is just like it worked yeah. for this person, yeah. right? Oh yeah. And there's oh, nothing yeah. that brings you more joy. Oh yeah. You yeah. could. It doesn't matter what you got. But, oh. I mean, you were able to. It's where the pressure is. Oh yeah. It's where absolutely. the pressure of Christmas and Advent is. Like, am I? I mean, I'm just sort of like speaking for myself, being a, you know, married for a very long time. Like, you know, what I mean, I, 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 as I've gotten older, I realize I have to plan way ahead. So now I plan way, way ahead. <laughs> you know, I like start thinking about this. Hey, so before we go off this and just talk about the gospel. By the way, we are in October, so you might want to start your planning. Well, (laughs) I just, (laughs) I mean, I just checked a box in my head. (laughs) That's what you were just, as I just said that, I thought, oh my, I should have started weeks ago. Uh, Okay, so before we go off this, we did talk a little bit about Mark as a whole and the writing of Mark and Mark's reason for writing. And one of those things from last time you said it was about like coming persecution and these yes. sorts of things. Is there anything you can say about Mark and that's maybe an emphasis of Mark or Mark really wants to kind of like nail it for us about God's coming to us, Christ's coming to us? I mean, like you say, not like Christmas or Advent, but like any time, like what it's going to look like, what we're supposed to look like. I don't know how much we're supposed to worry about it. I don't know. I don't have a particular answer to this, mm-hmm. except when you were talking about, um, like, say, you're 70 and the tough times. Um, well, certainly, um, I don't know. I have to maybe think about this for a second. But one of the things I think is also going on in Mark's gospel is he wants to, uh, let me call it, uh, give uh, lessons of discipleship. All right. And so, like, how how do you see Jesus, and how mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. can you encounter him? Like, are there some things that can help? Because in Mark's gospel, uh, one of the things that uh, that happens is that the disciples are, and some people don't like this, but I I think it's really important. The disciples are real failures. Mm-hmm. And I think by portraying the failures of the disciples, the way the gospel works is it helps us to realize that these are people we can identify with. Right, right. Because they're, we... They're not like um, the beautiful people in People Magazine. If no. People Magazine still exists, I don't know. But you get it. It's yeah. not, you're not going to be in the magazine on the grocery store. Line. Right, right. Because right. you can think about... Well, all through the Gospels, um, they they kind of they're kind of bumbling and stumbling. Jesus is talking about one thing, and they misunderstand. And they think mm-hmm, it's something mm-hmm. else. He's talking about going to Jerusalem, suffer and die, and they're arguing among themselves who's the greatest. Right, right. And um, and then at the end of the story, um, as you mentioned last time, I mean Peter. Even if everybody else leaves you, you know, I'm going to be there. And and three times he says, you know, I don't know the man. And Judas bet- betrays him, and the other disciples all run away. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, what everything you just said is the first reading for the first Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So I just wanted to put a little spin on this, given what you've said from Mark. Advent is simply not only about um, learning to see and hear God coming into our lives, but recognizing. God's going to be there regardless. 
Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And that might be what has to undergird the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Like that first reading is yeah. basically, what is this? Um, our good deeds are like polluted rags, right? Like, yeah. you know, but, but God's coming. God is our Father. And you know, as you said that, it makes me think too, well, even you just repeated that again, that that reading from Isaiah sounds kind of stark. But, you know, Isaiah is handing this on to us in great faith that God will, will come though. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, even in the midst of all this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, just while we're talking about this, because I think this is also important at the beginning, sometimes people want to know about the author. Right. Like Mark himself. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately or fortunately. Does Mark get the lion? In the iconography. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. The lion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But people, we, we, don't, we don't know exactly, you know, who he was, but there is... Um, in about, I can't remember exactly, I think maybe 10, 12 places in the New Testament, there's reference to a Mark or a John Mark. Mm-hmm. And if you, and they're really, really small verses. And, but if you put them together, you realize that he is the second generation Christian. In the tradition, um, he, well, well, Paul is including his name, and so we know that he knew Paul. It's this John Mark or Mark, right. yeah, who yeah, yeah, might yeah. not be the the yeah. author, but yeah. but this they knew Paul, and then the tradition Eusebius in his ecclesiastical history he says that Mark was like Peter's secretary, mm-hmm. yes. and so that would mean that he yes. knew Peter. So that puts him like with the two great apostles, right? Like right. Peter and Paul. Right. Right. And right. if you think about handing on the traditions and mm-hmm. so on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but one of the things about him is that there's a story in the Acts of the Apostles, and. Paul and Barnabas are going on a new mission. And John Mark is supposed to go with them. And Paul doesn't want him to come. Hmm. He doesn't want him to come because on a previous missionary journey, he had deserted them. Uh And the ways this gets resolved is that Barnabas and Paul actually go on different different directions. And Barnabas says, I'll I'll take him with me. Uh But Paul doesn't want this guy. Yeah. Interesting. So he is mm. a failed disciple. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you look, I mean, that's why I always think yeah. like, yeah. you know, even if he's not the guy, he's the kind of guy. Like he he knows his own failures. And so when you hear the failures of the disciples in the gospel, and when we read the gospel, we see the failures of the disciples. Like mm-hmm. we can all kind of relate to these things too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a theme then of God's coming will be that... Um, Thing is, this is how life is, uh, that we need to prepare, and preparation is to learn to see, right? Yes. Claymation. What's his name again? Martin. 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 <laughs> Martin the sweeper. Claymation, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, but it's not up to us. Right. Maybe that's one of the key themes of this, that the reason we have to prepare... Oh, it fits with the Mark reading too. Like, it, we're not deciding this. Yes, God is coming. Yes, and in the way that God is coming, because God's ways are not our ways. Um, even if we're not prepared, God's going to intrude anyway. Mm-hmm. Is that a way to put it? Yeah, is and that overstating the? Well, I don't know. well, maybe. Um, 
one of the things about being prepared is about being open. Like I, 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 one of the things I've learned from you over the years is about, I mean, if I could say it most simply, it's to leave more room for God's grace. You learned that from me. Yes. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, the last, the last session I you gave know, you. Or wait, if I can think, or another way of putting it is I'm disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> See, the last time I gave you a compliment, you didn't like it. Now you're trying to. I know. Sorry. Yeah. About yeah, that. yeah okay. Yeah, I know. It's, it's my diversionary tactics. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and maybe it's partly as I get older too, that I realize that, um, and I'm a pretty organized person and yep. stuff. And, and, and you can kind of think like, you know, you're doing this and you're doing mm-hmm. this. And, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of things in our culture. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that there's a, a countercultural message. It's not what you do, it's who you are, yeah, like yeah, that kind exactly. of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think the reason why we hear that is because we know that we really value what we do. Yeah. And, yep. Um, yep. and there's something that is very countercultural about, like, our, our job, if there's a job, if there's something we have to do, it's to try to be open. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I do have to say, and I'll be serious um, about this and not divert the compliment. Um, I often say, you know, I've done a lot of good things in my life or whatever. I've been successful doing certain things, right? And one of those things is my, I tell people, because it's my profound sense of failure in the sense where I do them thinking they're not going to turn out. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. but it's it, but you still have to do it right. I actually take that as hope. I mean, that's, yeah. that's hope. Oh, yeah, you're the Congregation of Resurrection. Okay. That's hope, right? Yeah. You, do, you do what is good and godly. You, you know, have faith in God, not because you think you're going to be a hero or cross the finish line first or whatever. In fact, you think the opposite, yeah. right? But you're going to, that's the way to do it anyway. So, yes. yeah, I, I do think that, um, uh, like, the first scripture really does resonate with me. Like, I even have to tell my wife, I'm not a confident person. Like, she thinks I'm confident. It's like, mm. no, no, no. I have a profound sense of lack of confidence, but I just have faith that, you know, yeah. God will provide. Yeah. Isn't that hope? Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, one of the people who uh, really helped me to think more about this, uh, you know, people like you and me are asked to do book reviews, and sometimes mm-hmm. you can look at these things and say that's oh, yeah. just like a, oh yeah, you know, uh, another job. Yeah, but um, yeah, for but, a low pay. Yeah, like <laughs> zero times zero is zero. Yeah. <laughs> but. And sometimes you read a book and you think, well, how am I going to write a good review about this? But yeah. but other times you read a book and you think, geez, I would never have read this book if yeah. they didn't ask me to do a review. And one of them was a few years ago, I read this book by Keenan Osborne, who mm. was in his 80s mm-hmm, mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. he wrote this yeah. book. And he wrote it on like 50 years after the Second Vatican Council, the document of the liturgy. And he he made me go back to the catechism because there's a... There's two sections on sacraments in the catechism. And the first one is called the work of the Holy Trinity. And all through his book, he kept reminding me that, like, the liturgy is God's work. Like, we usually think about the work of the people Mm. like liturgy. You know what? You told me about this. Yeah. 
And this shaped a lot of what I did afterward. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, so great. so you think yes. about, like, you know, in God's grace, you can think God's gifts. And yeah. it's everything from the creation of the world to, you know, creating us with this incredible ability as a human being that we can hear God's voice. Yeah. That we can actually receive God's life in ourselves. And great. This is a great, oh, say, I have a story now because of this. And this is all coming back to me. So you know what I would say in class afterward? Because it was true at the time. I would say, and this totally fits with Advent, I think. And this reading, be watchful. So there were, there was a decade stretch of my life in mass where I was just paying attention to children. Right. right? Yeah. And always beating myself up about that too, right? Because you know, what are they going to do, <laughs> right? right? But I spent a whole lot of time in the back of the church like bouncing a kid or something <laughs> right. like that, right? Or just like paying attention to what they're doing or whatever. Mm. And, and every, every time I went to Mass in that situation and I went to the procession, God was given to me. And every time it was, a, every time it was like... <laughs> And that was really a sense that it was the work of God. Yeah. It's like I've done I brought nothing to this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And 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 I am invited. I'm kind of basically swept around with the people too, because the people right. are doing that work. But yeah, I had a profound sense during that time. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not I'm like I, I've been on the bench and haven't been paying attention like I should, and still God is here. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a great story. Yeah. I used to say that in class because of this, because huh. of the thing you told me about yeah, after yeah. you did the review of that book. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, I don't know if you remember, but one time, you know, as, as a priest, I always think once in a while you should be in the pew, get the experience <laughs> yeah. of the people. I've seen you in the pew before. Yeah. And, and one time I actually. Dressed like Muggle. I, yeah. <laughs> That's all the stories. <laughs> So, so David just said dress like muggles. So one time I showed Bill College, one of our dear friends and colleagues, a photo of my community, my province at the end of a chapter. And people had, you know, shorts and T-shirts on and, and so on. And he said, you know, looking at priests dressing like lay people is like the wizards dressing like muggles in Harry Potter. <laughs> I still think that was great. Okay, but, back to this. Yeah, so, From the pews. So I was in the, sitting with your family, and I don't remember which child it was. I, mm-hmm. I have... I have this memory, it's Jack, it was Jack, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting in my lap through the whole mass. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pay attention to anything. And I remember thinking, how do people do this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. enough experience of the pew. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I'm sure that was Jack. Yeah. Um, I, we next time I gotta remember next time we talk to tell the story. You could tell the story about Jack walking by your office, but we don't have to steal the. Yeah, you can steal yeah. the punchline. Yeah, you okay. know what, we know. What I'm yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just to recap, um, we talked about liturgical year and Mark in the liturgical year. We discussed uh, Advent and the Be Watchful. We did a, a lot of little theological mixing around. I think in a good way between. God's coming and our preparing, and it does not depend upon our preparing. Right. But it's good for us if we do. Yes. <laughs> right? Be I mean, open. That's, Be that's, open. That's the way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the next time we talk, we're going to start on um, the Gospel of Mark in earnest. And, uh, Sounds good. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, for everybody, I've, I've been in your—I've done this before with you. I think I sat in on the Christology. <laughs> <laughs>
class, yeah. actually. So I've heard the whole thing. So yeah. this is my idea for everybody yeah. that we do this. So we want to thank the National Shrine of Grind, the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords here in Emmitsburg for sponsoring us. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. You will, you will hear us next time. I will see Jim next time. <laughs> <laughs>